Got time for a quick story. So Chicago has now released 38 albums. Now, 38 albums counts compilation albums. Some of their greatest hits collections uh, includes live releases, compilations of like love songs and such. But that's 38 total. And not many bands or individuals can claim that many releases. Some, some obviously have gotten a lot who've been around for a long time, but that's kind of the point. If you're around a long time, you're going to be able to release a lot of material because you're that good. Think of some of the best singers of all time. They have a lot of albums out because their careers go on for decades and decades. Chicago has been around for decades and decades, formed in 1967. Been around for over a half century, and they're still touring. And they have new material coming out. Always wonderful when a musical act that's been around a long time releases something new. Something pulled out of the ether. New songs. New arrangements. And Born for for This Moment is that. Neil Donnell is the main lead singer in Chicago. He he has the tenor part. If if you want to try to find a lineage, I mean, I suppose you could say it's the Peter Cetera, Jason Sheff kind of kind of track in terms of his vocal range. He has not yet been on a studio album of new material, non-Christmas material. This is his first. We get to talk to him today about Born for This Moment, and here is that interview with Neil Donnell of Chicago. The first question for you is about the, the creation of this, and I've been reading some interviews with Robert Lamb about how it came about. Um, out of like writing material and then suddenly there's this idea to do a project. So how did you learn that there was going to be a full studio album project for Chicago? Well, the process began actually in 2020 when Robert Lamb and Jim Peterick, uh, Jim, uh, ex of the survivor in the Ides of March, uh, got together and they collaborated and they started to do some songwriting together, which they had always, um, uh, hoped to do, but uh, just not had a, a, the opportunity because of busy schedules. So they wrote a song called Everything Is Going to Work Out Fine. And they sent the track up to me uh, where I live in Toronto and I cut the vocals for it. And they just put it out there and it started to get airplay. And, you know, it, it started to spread around in various formats. And uh, that sort of piqued the ears of Joe Thomas of BMG Records. Uh, who hadn't, you know, uh, sort of kept track of the band for some time. He heard the song, and he, he heard something, obviously, that appealed to him, something new and fresh, and approached Robert and said, you know, would Chicago be receptive to perhaps doing a new project? And, you know, everybody sort of being idle, being shut out and shut down because of COVID, heartily agreed, and we all found out about it that way, and then the process began of of, uh, you know, everybody had been writing songs and staying as creative as they possibly could in the downtime. And uh, it just led to that place where, okay, we're going to do a, We're going to do a record and BMG is going to, uh, to put it out and promote it. And we all got very excited about it. How long of a process was the entire creation of the songs dedicated for the album? And I, by that, I especially mean like recording it, getting your parts and everything. How how long, about when did that start and how long did it go and, until? I'm, I'm going to take a guess now because I sort of lost, lost track of time because we started touring again in June of 2021 and we were still in the process of recording 
and and assembling the material. So it started, I would say, in the fall in earnest uh, of 2020, and probably went for about a year in total. Around that, you know, we we started uh, when we went back on tour. We had to sort of wait until uh, we had a little breaks to go back and address things, and and uh, eventually it got done. So yeah, about a year, I'd say. Okay. How how does the process go? And you alluded to it a little bit with the with a song with a with a track from from Robert and Jim, but doing all your parts remotely now. Again, if I as I understand, one of the tracks I think was "If This Isn't Love" was the one that was done kind of more collectively as a band. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what I read in some of the interviews. Uh. How did From that... my perspective, yeah, um, that song demo was was created by Joe Thomas and three other writers um, in Chicago, and I remember receiving a demo of it, and you know it, it had been acknowledged by everyone that this was a good song and this was one of the ones that was going to go on the record. So it was still done because of COVID because we couldn't all assemble and it was difficult to travel. The only things that really got done in one room were the horns on a bunch of tracks. Uh, Jimmy, uh, pardon me, and Ray Herman and Lee uh, all uh, gathered at Lee's recording studio in Sedona, Arizona. But everything else was kind of done, you know, separately. I did every single vocal track that I cut was cut in Toronto with um, with my recording engineer, Chad Urshik. And on that particular song, I remember, you know, it was a lot of fun. And it just kept evolving. And at the end of the day, when we were done, my recording engineer, I remember him saying to me in the talk over the talk back, he said, "You know that you've done 22 vocal tracks for this song now." <laughs> I went, I sort of lost track, but but so you know, I did everything, all the vocals. I wasn't in an, in another studio other than than the one I was in in Toronto. So everything that I did was done separately. Uh, I am not, I, to be honest, even to this day, I'm not sure where everything was done. Mm. It, it was just kind of assembled, you know, a lot of file sharing tracks going back and forth. And, uh, but it, it turned out great. And Joe Thomas did a wonderful job and, uh, had to have the vision and oversee everything. And of course, with, you know, the kind of writing caliber of Robert and Jimmy and Lee involved, as well as some other writers who were involved, it, uh, it it's a nice collection of, of, uh, of great songs. Yeah, the mix is, is really well done. You can't tell that this is a, a, an assembly. It's not a Frankenstein monster sort of situation here. It's It sounds like it's, in, in many cases, like it could be a complete band all in the studio at once, maybe recording their parts at once, but in the studio at the same time, you don't know that it, it is done as remotely as it is done. So he, he did a great no. job of mixing. He absolutely did. It was it was a real labor of love because, I mean, there were so many tracks and so many files going back and forth. It really was, uh, you know, uh, hard to keep track of things. When you get material to sing, what, how, how fleshed out is the song? Is it, is, it a, is, it a, is it a similar process each time? Is it at different levels? How does that go? And are you already hear like, is it is it demo parts of like this could be where this would go, but it's like a synthesizer version of that? How what what do you get at what point of the creation process when you had to put down your vocal? Well, it varies from song to song, as you can well imagine. Um, some things there's a pretty definitive template that's sent to me. Uh, other other places there, you know, I was given a lot of license. Even when there was a template, I was given a, a lot of license. 
um, to to interpret it as I saw fit. And my approach is very much like the band's approach. I do things that I hope will support the emotional content of the lyric, as as that's the way they write. And you know, a lot of the subject matter that's addressed in the various lyrics is is, is very personal. So it's easy to get inside of. But I guess to answer your question, in essence, uh, it really it really was quite variable. But um, you know, the band and producer Joe Thomas. Uh, they trusted me a lot, so they, they, you know, essentially allowed me to be myself and put my own spin on things where I thought it was appropriate. Well, and you have your own writing on it as well, Safer Harbors. Uh, describe the writing of that song. Safer Harbors is, is, you know, it's one of those songs that I think every every parent can relate to. It's it's the story of of, of seeing your children leave home and wishing that they have a hope, uh, they hope that they have a better life and a, and a less difficult life than, than you have, and try to protect them. And of course, that's that's folly. You know, you really can't do that. They have to stand or fall on their own two feet. And it's one of those songs that I wrote that was almost like it was channeled to me. I think back in the lyric. Just the other night, we were flying someplace and. The lyric, the lyric ran through my head, and I thought to myself, you know, where did that come from? Um, and it it just came from my heart and my own life experiences and my family's uh, background of, of living by the sea and, and on the sea and from the sea. And uh, uh, you know, I, I, it just it just sort of spilled out of me. It's almost sometimes when I'm writing, it's like I have a giant funnel on the top of my head. <laughs> I just I'm just open and receptive to whatever whatever is channeled from me, and a lot of other writers will tell you that too. Sometimes things you have to labor on, but sometimes things just it's as if they're channeled to you. And and Safer Harbors was one of those things that came quite easily to me. And what I love about it too is that it can be, in, in my interpretation, I was listening to it like for the third time this morning just before the interview, and. I can go literal or figurative on that. I can think of it literally and like, okay, I have a one-year-old daughter and I'm like, there's a long, long ways to go before a lot of the meaning of that. But that's going through my head. But then figuratively, I'm like, well, if I didn't know that in advance, I could apply that to a lot of other things in life, which is wonderful that I don't come out of that thinking, okay, this is very much this story. It can, to me, I get the impression that while there is an intent, as you were just describing, a lot of people could take away a lot of different meanings from that song. Absolutely. And, you know, that is something that songwriters attempt to do, uh, you know, <laughs> using another nautical term. You try to cast a wide net, <laughs> you know, and then you leave. You don't get too specific with things sometimes and just so that people's own imagination and own life experiences can, uh, can interpret in the way that fits and suits them and resonates with them. Wes, as I was reading some of the uh, the previews of the album, and I see this particular name associated, which I'm going to get to in a few seconds, and then I start listening through the album, and someone needed me the most comes on. I'm like, is this the, but at the end, there's Bobby Kimball. Like, wh where did this come from? And, and I'm, I, knowing of, of his work with Toto, obviously, over the years, and the voice that he has, and I know he's retired for health reasons, but he, there's this voice, and I was so pleased to hear that. How did Bobby Kimball become part of this project? Well, it, it, I guess I should 
let the cat out of the bag and, and tell you that, that that song was written some time ago. And as, as a demo, um, I believe that it was recorded in Nashville, you, you know, some time ago when Bobby was still in, in good voice and he's unfortunately uh, had to deal with some, some fairly severe hearing issues, which has is been very impactful on his ability to perform. So it was some time ago that Bobby actually did those vocals. This is not something he did recently, even within the last five years. It goes back some time now. But the song was, was written and recorded in a demo fashion, oh, I'm, I'm going to say perhaps even 15 years ago. Uh, and, and it just kind of stood the test of time and somebody remembered it. It was a co-write with Jimmy and a gentleman named Greg O'Connor and another gentleman whose name escapes me right now. And it was a good, strong song, and it got resurrected, and um, and under careful scrutiny and consideration was included on the record. And it does sound good. It, it matches right in, and yeah, I, I, and actually, I, what as someone who kind of also likes the music of Toto and mu- likes the music of Chicago and everything, and knowing there's a bit of a connection between the two bands in terms of instrumentation and somewhat, I thought, well, that's actually kind of a nice touch there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I was very pleased to hear that. That was, a, that was a nice thing on the album. What is your favorite song to sing on this album of the 14 Cuts? Boy, that's, as you can well imagine, that's a tough question. Um, we have been performing the single, If This Is Goodbye, for about, oh, I guess, four months now, you know, well in advance of the record being released. And I'm having a lot of fun doing that. You know, it's been interesting to watch how audiences have, over time, because they've been hearing it on the radio and in different uh, streaming situations, how they have grown to, to like it. And, you know, it's difficult for bands of, of like Chicago, and bands of this ilk, to perform new material. Audiences are expecting a greatest hit show. You know, they're, that's what they're there for. So when you inject something new into the set, you take a chance. Um, but over the last oh, month or two, you know, when we Jimmy comes up and announces the song before we play it, audiences respond. They start applauding, you know, being knowing that they're going to hear it. So that's a fave. I really enjoy that. But gosh, everything on the record is just it was a lot of fun to do. Uh, there's talk, depending on, on what's chosen, going forward as a next single there's talk of uh, of doing two or three other other pieces from the record and I'll, I'll have a lot of fun for me it's it's great because on this record I got to show you know a little more of my vocal range as opposed to singing always in my high tenor range um, you know there's a few places like firecracker and the title track born for this moment and safer harbors where I'm in sort of a more of a middle tenor range as opposed to the higher register. And I get to explore, even in the verses of This Is Goodbye, uh, a warmer aspect of my voice in those verses. So it's, it's, really, it's really a lot of fun for me, and I'm very grateful for it. Last question for you. Um, your thoughts on now having your voice imprinted on the canon of non-Christmas Chicago material. Of course, you were on, the, on Chicago Christmas r- recently, but in terms of the s- new studio material, and those are the, those are the touch, touchstones, if you will, of, of Chicago music, and now you're part of that. What do you think? You're, how do you feel as a vocalist that now, there, you can point to this, born for this moment, I'm one of the singers on this album. Well, 
As you can well imagine, I consider it a great honor. When the band first called me and asked me to join them, it was the fall of 2017. I officially started touring with them in January of 2018. And I, re I remember going individually up to Robert and Lee and Jimmy and manager uh, Peter Chivarelli and thanking them you know, for taking a chance on me because it was a little different. Uh, having a, a, a tenor voice in the band who wasn't also a bass player. And I said, you know, I, I expressed my gratitude to them, and I said, I will do my utmost to to live up to this honor, to honor this this great material that you, you spent a lifetime producing and writing and creating, and, and how it, this, these songs are so meaningful they're milestones in a lot of people's lives. And of course, that's that's a big responsibility to carry on stage every night because people are used to hearing it. And, um, you know, the band, has, they have put their faith in me. And I told them I would just do everything in my power to live up to that faith. And I've always I've always had a, a, a mind, a bit of a mind that, you know, you need to honor your gift everybody's been given gifts in their lives. You know, as the old expression goes, some people just never unwrap their, their gift. But I found out what it was at an early age, and I, I made a pledge to honor the gift that I was given. And so back to square one here, um, it, it, it's, it was never a, like a dream come true or a goal for me. I just wanted to, to take this musical gift that I was given and, and honor it. Do the best I very I could personally with my own my own talent. And the fact that this came to me at this point in my life, I was approached by these wonderful gentlemen who I've admired and respected for years, and who turns out are just some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. It's a family. It's a big family. So I'm just incredibly grateful and honored that they've they've you know called upon me to to do this for them and they are my friends and my family and uh, that's how I feel and it's a cool album definitely give it a listen if anyone listening to this hasn't do 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 so born for this moment Chicago the 38th album in the Chicago it's not far to go till 40 I think I think it's going to be coming pretty soon here that'll that'll be a <laughs> <laughs> talk about a moment whatever that's going to be I don't know if it'll be a live a compilation a new whatever Chicago, so well, I'm doing the Roman numerals on that. That would be, that's LV or it'll XV. It'll, we'll know when it comes. Neil Donnell, thank you for, ta for taking time to, to chat this, uh, this morning. Enjoy the rest of the tour. Enjoy the promotion of this album and all the rest going down the road with the band. Luke, you were great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Neil Donnell of Chicago, great chat with him. Again, the album Born for This Moment, uh, Chicago 38 unofficially, but yeah, Born for This Moment is the name of the new studio album from Chicago. And as long as I'm at it, I'm going to quick remind myself of what the Roman numeral 40 is. That's XL. I had to look up Super Bowls to give myself a quick reminder. So there will be a Chicago XL at some point. I, you have to imagine there will be because every Chicago album counts towards the number. Not just the studio albums, the live albums, the compilations, they all count. So I'm, it's, I think it's a lock that there will be a Chicago 40 eventually, and that's only two releases away. In the meantime, the 38th one, listen to it, Born for This Moment. There's more information on the band. ChicagoTheBand.com is their website. ChicagoTheBand.com. 
They are also on social media. You can keep up with them. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, and learn all about Chicago. And they are quite the touring band. They will probably be in a place nearby you at some point, if not on the current leg of tour. Emphasize that because they are always on the road. They'll probably be back around at some point soon. They're up here in western Wisconsin, it seems like all the time, in the general area of Wisconsin, Minnesota, and they'll be back here, and they'll be probably in an area you're at at some point soon. Also, uh, Neil Donella, I should point out, has his own website if you want to learn more about what he's doing, and he is on social media as well, neildonnell.com, neildonnell.com. That's N-E-I-L-D-O-N-E-L-L.com. This has been the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story. Uh, thanks, as always, to my employer, uh, Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for providing the facilities to do a lot of these interviews. You can listen to and, in some cases, watch these interviews at greatesthits981.com. Top of the page says Features. Put your mouse over that below to pop down or drop down, I should say. It says Interviews. Click there. There are interviews. Also, we're on YouTube. Greatest Hits 98.1 YouTube channel. A lot of the same interviews there. And also uh, follow this podcast at uh, aroundthe715.com, our sister website with Greatest Hits 98.1. And also you can find Got Time for a Quick Story on a lot of podcast platforms. Subscribe to it so you know about new episodes. Rate it higher so word spreads around about this podcast. And also thanks to Lori Gorman, the management for Chicago, for helping to set up this interview. Big thanks to Lori. Got time for a quick story. I'm Luke Anthony.